do we want any more banter or do we want uh, to just go straight in on this one uh yeah i don't think we need any more we can talk we've had a lot the past couple of episodes so Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm Rachel. I'm Grace. Welcome it's to our pod. podcast, or as Grace says, welcome back to the pod. It's the pod. <laughs> we are myths and misfortunes. Yes, paranormal, true crime, it's what we do. <laughs> I mean, we don't do true crime, but... <laughs> oh, but we do, par- well, yeah. Well... We do have that fruit fly that won't leave us alone. That might be paranormal. It Eight, keeps resurrecting. I've killed it eight times today. <laughs> okay, so back on topic. Each week we do pick somewhere in the world and base our stories on that place. Sometimes a little bit further away because it's difficult. It is, it is so hard sometimes. It's like you'll be, you'll decide on a place and you're like, oh, that place sounds like there's been a lot of murder. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, let's look for uh, maybe a kidnapping or a bank robbery. There's been a bank robbery everywhere, right? No. No, no. there hasn't. There yeah. really has not. Well, and then you think, oh, this place is kind of old. There should be some haunting somewhere. Yeah. Now. So anyway. Anyway. Where are we today? Today. We are in Denton, Texas. So I might possibly maybe have the shortest history for our show. We should clarify that's Denton County. No. It's not? It's Denton the city. Is it? Is it a city? Yeah, it's a city. Oh. Yeah. So there isn't a whole lot here historically, but you know what? Maybe that's okay. Maybe it just means that it's a cozy little city that is sometimes handled correctly. Okay, so Denton, Texas is very closely tied to Denton County. Yes, yes, yes. Look at that. Both are formed at roughly the same time. And non-indigenous settlement in the area began about the mid-1800s with William S. Peters from Kentucky. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Look, one great big circle back to Kentucky. Unfortunate. He had obtained a land grant from the Texas Congress and named it Peters Colony. Because, you know, you got to... That's very original. Yeah, you got to name things after yourself. It remained like that until 1846, when Texas legislator voted to form Denton County and the city of Denton, named after John B. Denton, who was a preacher and a lawyer who was killed in 1841 during a skirmish with the Kachai people. Oh. 
Denton was then incorporated in 1866, and the city began to expand way beyond its original boundaries. It became an agricultural trade center for cotton and mill industries, and in 1881, the arrival of the Texas and Pacific Railway brought an influx of people to the area. Denton's population grew from 26,844 in 1960 to 48,063 in 1980, and in 2018 was more than 130,000. Denton as a city has a total area of 89.316 square miles. Woo! (laughs) The University of North Texas was established in 1890, and the Texas Women's University was founded in 1901 as they increased in size, their impact on Denton's economy and culture increased, as do, you know, most college towns. Yeah. And that is history. That's it. That is it. Wow. That is all I could find. I went through like five websites. Wikipedia is the only one that had any actual history. Damn. Okay. <laughs> like, hmm. it angered me. Like, I know it has more history than this, but I guess not. Well, I guess now we should go into mine. Yes, we should. I have the murderer. Murder. Sources. My sources today are bbc.com, dmagazine.com, abcnews.go.com. Dot com. So. So. One morning um, in August of 2012, Nancy Shore headed to the First Baptist Church not far from her home. There was a woman's tea where Nancy was hosting two tables. Her husband, Frank, had helped her pack the decorations into her car before he'd left on a business trip a few nights earlier. After tea, she went home before returning to church for a baptism service for a family friend. By the time she left the church again, just before 730 that night, it was raining and a silver Nissan was following her. On her way home, Nancy stopped at a Taco Bueno and picked up a steak fajita dinner in a drive-thru. Me too, B. Me too. Then the 53-year-old mother of three grown children. Wow. Three grown children? (laughs) Yeah. Then the 53-year-old mother of three grown children drove into the family's two-story brick house on Blue Bonnet Way, where she expected to relax in front of the TV. She pulled into the garage, got out of her car, carrying her purse and her Taco Bueno bag. And that's when she felt someone grab her around the neck and put a gun to her head. Oh, no. Yes. She heard the man demand her purse, but the words didn't register. She wrestled away, turning to face him. And that's when the seriousness of what was going on caught up with her. Thank you, Crystal. Uh, A man she'd never seen before stood in front of her. He was in his 20s with facial hair, wearing a black baseball cap, and holding a silver gun. He repeated himself louder this time, saying, give me your purse. In a moment of panic, Nancy tried to give him her purse, but handed him the Taco Bueno bag instead. (laughs) Me. (laughs) This is so me. She could see him getting angry, and she shoved her purse at him with both hands, which pushed him back up... Which pushed him... Pushed him back a step. He then lifted the gun and pointed it at her face. Before he pulled the trigger, she cried out, Jesus, save me. Yes. Did Jesus save her? Please give me a miracle. So, the bullet entered her left temple. 
traveled through her sinus cavity down to her throat and stopped. Oh, my God. I mean, she's got clear sinuses now. Oh, my God. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) And down her throat and stopped in her right lung. Oh, my God. What a weird way for it to... I know. That is so weird. The man ran away with her purse, leaving the bag of food on the driveway and Nancy bleeding on the garage floor. He also left her car, which he really easily could have stolen because she was right there, still had the keys and everything. Yeah. Um, anyway, when she recovered consci- consciousness, Nancy could barely breathe and was in excruciating pain. She says, when I came to, I thought you're going to die. And that's when God spoke to me and said, get up. He gave me the physical strength to get up. She said, yeah. Um, Her phone was in her handbag, so didn't have that. So she crawled to her car and pressed the button that was supposed to summon emergency rescue services. Mm -hmm. Um, It didn't work. So she staggered into the house where she saw her reflection for the first time. She looked at herself and all she could see was blood from her eye down to her shirt And at this point, she hadn't realized that she had lost her left eye. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, my God. Struggling for breath, she managed to call 911, screaming, help me. And she told them where she was and provided a description of her attacker and somehow walked to the front door to wait for the paramedics. Like, I don't know how she did this. She's super mom. That's what she is. fucking real. A policeman at the scene contacted Nancy's children who called their father. He began weeping and was beside himself. One of the daughters said he was out of control trying to get to her rescue. Once Frank, her husband, was able to fly back home, he visited her at the hospital. She said that her daughter described to her how he fell to the floor before he first saw her because he was in distress. So the police started to investigate um, and that is when they found some things on Frank's cell phone. That shocked everyone. Oh, no. Yes. There were a bunch of photographs and text messages from another woman. Frank had been with her at the time of the attack and not on a business trip. Oh. Yeah. The affair had been going on for three years. Oh, no. So when she was strong enough to leave intensive care, she received a phone call from Frank where he confessed to his adultery. She said during the phone call they were both crying, and Frank was crying so hard that it was hard to understand what he was actually saying. Well, he probably felt super guilty about it. Right. He actually came to visit her at the hospital a couple more times after the call. When she was recovering from surgery and undergoing further tests, the police told her that they had, they arrested someone in connection with the attack. Her husband. Mm. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. I know. So... Nancy and Frank married in 1983 and raised three children together. She says that they had a really awesome marriage. Obviously, you go through your ups and downs. Mm -hmm. I mean, she said they weren't perfect and they had our issues from time to time, but they always worked through them. She says he was very kind, gentle, loving, and he was very involved with her children. He coached her soccer teams when they were little kids, went to all the games, and some of the kids were even in musical theater, and he rarely missed one of the, you know, events. So, Um, good dad is what I'm hearing. Apparently. Yeah. The couple sang in the choir at their church and held Bible study meetings for the youth group in their home, and... Like, Nancy struggled with depression and chronic pain from her fibromyalgia, 
and at one point Frank battled prostate cancer. Oh no. The couple seemed to like get through all of their health issues with a stronger bond and they had discussions before any major like purchases or any moves or anything like that. Yeah. And they worked together to be like a united front for their children. Nancy told people that she raised her kids to love, honor, and respect their dad. When their youngest, Brianna, graduated from high school a few years back, Nancy looked forward to their empty nester years and hoped that her and Frank could rekindle the spark that they'd had, like, earlier in their relationship. But once they left the nest, Frank began to travel more and more for his work as an accountant, and Nancy started to feel isolated. But she never expected him to want her dead. She doesn't know why Frank wanted her killed, but she thinks it's because he knew that she would never agree to a divorce. She said, I made a vow to the Lord that I wasn't going to divorce him. So he began getting involved with another woman. And the next thing you know, he's embezzling money because he's trying to show her that he's this rich man. And I think before long, he was in over his head. He really had no option but to have me shot. Which, like, no. I mean, he had... Yeah, he had plenty of options. Like he could, he could have done a lot of other shit. Like he didn't even, he didn't even try to fake his own death. Yeah. Like, anyway, like she said, Frank was uh, spending hundreds of thousands on his girlfriend Suzanne Leontief. Sure. He decided that the best course of action was to embezzle money from one of his wealthy clients, potentially more than thirty million. Yes. Mm. Frank allegedly bought this girlfriend a $800,000 home, a condo in Lake, Lake Taco. Taco. If <laughs> <laughs> you have a home, why do you need a condo? A condo in Lake Tahoe and gave her $500,000 for expenses, including for her daughter's education. Mm. So there were also some trips he took her on. He took Suzanne to a suite at the Mavericks game in 2010 and to a Steelers game in Pittsburgh. He took her to the Super Bowl the next year. Hmm. He also took Suzanne and her daughters to a Giants game in San Francisco and to the Bahamas for seven days. She had told her kids that he was already separated, but he wasn't. He told her kids? Oh, she told her kids that oh, he was okay. separated. She knew that they were married, or that he was married, but that they weren't happy, so they were separated. And she was also going through a divorce at the time. So, a lot of the, they had, apparently they had a lot of fights about... He was still married? Yeah. Yeah. And how he just kept making excuses about, like why he couldn't leave nancy yeah he just kept saying oh she's sick like she's got this issue she's got depression she's got all this and yeah you know Mm. and when he could he flew her on the private jet and when he couldn't he paid for her commercial flights and for their food in hotel rooms okay so hired billy earl johnson to do the job originally he heard of him and needed someone to do the job. He called him and said that he needed his wife killed. So Billy now says that he never intended to actually kill anyone. He just wanted to string the guy along for money. He agreed to meet John outside, or he called himself John Frank did whenever he wanted to. Yeah, but his full name was like John Frank Howard. And he usually went by Frank to everybody, but 
when he was with his girlfriend or when he was trying to get people to kill his wife, he was called John. Okay. Yeah. So he agree- agreed to meet John outside the Shepler's Western Wear store in Mesquite. When they met Frank or, you know, John, he handed Billy an envelope with $60,000 in cash along with a photo of Nancy. John told him to make it look like an accident. Billy then blew all of the money on drinking and drugs, landed himself in jail for possession. Then he called John, Frank, said he needed more money. Their second meeting took place at a Texaco off Interstate 635, where Billy says John gave him an additional 35000 Billy spent this money the way he'd spent it before, and before long he was in jail and broke again. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. All right. Charlie Louderman was a friend of Billy's, and he says he went with him to get a lot of money from John. He also heard John plot ways to kill Nancy. Him and Billy both remember John telling them to make it look like a home burglary. He told them there would be $40,000 worth of jewelry and that they could set the house on fire afterward to cover their tracks. John was worried. John Frank. I'm just going to call him John Frank. John Frank. Yeah. John Frank. Because I keep on writing John or Frank, and uh, he was worried about the possibility of a fire spreading to the neighbor's house. He said that Nancy regularly met their friends for lunch at a favorite spot and suggested firing an automatic weapon at the group, shooting the first few rounds at Nancy and then spraying around to confuse the issue. Or perhaps they could do it during her book club or her scrapbooking retreat. Every time they got a plan in place, though, something went wrong. Stacy Sorenko was Billy's girlfriend. She would either slow them down or they would both get too wasted to leave the hotel room or they were in jail. Each time, Billy had a new excuse for John, who seemed to grow increasingly frustrated. Mm-hmm. So Billy and Stacy were arrested again, and then her son Dustin took Billy's place in the plot. When Dustin went to do the deed one night, they were pulled over, and Dustin was nervous and stammered about how he was looking for his uncle's house. Then he changed his story and said it was his stepdad's house. Then he said it was a family friend that they called John. Then he blurted out that he was a hitman who had been hired to kill a man's wife. (laughs) Yeah, there was a report filed, but the police just assumed that it was the ramblings of a meth head and let him go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> basically, he didn't do it either. Yeah. I was, this is the point where I was like, what is going on? There's so much going on. I, I don't know how I'm not done with this. Mm-hmm. All right. So, John, deciding he wanted his wife dead, he wanted it done. Yes. So, he called Billy again, which, I don't know, I keep going back to people who are obviously not getting the job done, but mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Billy had a nephew who did time with a man named Michael Lawrence, who finally ended up being the one to shoot Nancy. Detectives were eventually giving the police report from a night from that night that Dustin was pulled over, and it was in Nancy's neighborhood. They brought him down to the station, and after three days of interrogation, he shared everything he knew about the murder for hire plot. Billy was running his mouth in prison, so the poli- and the police heard about that too, so they brought him in. Yeah. The detectives were shown a picture of John because Stacy was actually really smart about this. She um, 
took a picture of John and sent it to her mother as insurance just in case something bad happened to her. Okay. So the detectives recognized the man as Nancy's husband. Yeah. So police also had surveillance tape from the church showing a sil- that silver Nissan mm-hmm. that was following Nancy home. And police could connect the silver Nissan to Billy's nephew and Michael Lawrence. Okay. On top of that, Michael Lawrence's wife told detectives that her husband had confessed to shooting Nancy in the face. Who did he now? Yeah. Um, they were originally charged with aggravated robbery and conspiracy to commit capital murder, but Lawrence has since been reindicted for aggravated assault only. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, all of this shocked everyone who knew Frank. They said he always seemed so trustworthy. They thought he was the epitome of a good Christian man, which isn't that always the way? I was going to say that's always said about anyone who... who, Yeah. Honestly, he's a murderer. For real. And during his bond hearing, the courtroom was packed with people who were supporting him. When Frank was out on bail, his daughter Brianna got married because she wanted her daughter to have the wedding of her dreams. Nancy wrote to the court asking if they could relax the condition of Frank's bail for one weekend so he could attend. Mm. She's a lot nicer than I would be. Yeah. For sure. Um, Frank's trial took place in August of 2014. There were at least 10 attorneys involved, dozens of witnesses, investigators, phone experts, hotel managers, the 911 operator who took Nancy's call the night she was shot, which I found, like, the actual recording of it, but I don't like listening to those, so Mm -hmm. I didn't. Okay. Nancy even took the stand to talk about how their marriage had soured. Suzanne Leontief, the girlfriend. Yeah. She testified about her three-year affair with Frank. It was their first time in the same room since she since she had driven him to the airport when Nancy was shot. Yeah. Billy Johnson and Stacy Sorenko, who were brought, both brought over from the jail, talked about getting the first call and stringing uh, the defendant along for more than two years and millions of dollars of cash. Mm-hmm. Dustin and his two friends, who tried to blackmail Frank, Stephanie and Jason, all testified. And Misty Ford, who is Michael Lawrence's wife, also testified. Okay. It's so much. <laughs> I was going to say, my head's kind of swimming right now. I know, there's so many people. <laughs> That's why when I was writing this at this point, I was like, I just need to get this done. So the defense attorneys claimed that Frank had been blackmailed and that all the credibility of the prosecution's witnesses, like, shouldn't even be listened to. Yeah. Frank and Nancy's children testified for their father. For her? For, for her? the father. Telling the jury what a kind and compassionate man they'd always known him to be. They weren't in the same room for the presentation of most of the evidence. I know. That's what I was just thinking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, but when they were in the room, they were totally on Frank's side. Okay. So the trial lasted about three weeks, but the jury only needed two hours to convict. During Frank's sentencing, Richard Raleigh, one of Frank's biggest clients, took the stand. He told the jury that over a three-year period, Frank had systematically embezzled more than the $3 million, $30 million from him. And prosecutors concluded that in addition to the disdain for his wife like that was building over 30 years, Frank must have known that a divorce would have exposed his financial misdeeds. Frank was sentenced to life in prison, and will have to serve 30 years before he'll even be considered for parole. By then, he'll be about 85 years old. 
All three of the children were so angry, they left the courtroom without saying goodbye to their mother. Oh my god. Yeah. And it was a month before they even began to make contact again. Okay, so I'm, I'm confused. Who actually shot her? It was um, Michael... Michael Lawrence? My, yes. Was, did he get convicted for anything at all? Yeah, he... Um, or did I just zone out when you said... You zoned out. <laughs> yeah, he um, was originally charged with aggravated robbery and conspiracy to make capital murder, but he was then indicted for aggravated assault only. Okay. I heard that, but that... Di- okay, it didn't register that that was for shooting her. I thought it was just for... I don't know. Yeah. Breaking in. But I think Billy got... I think 25 years for, for conspiring. Yeah. yeah. I'm just really mad that her children acted that way. I am too. Like, they had all this evidence. Like, that picture, they, like, I don't... Why else would he contact them mm-hmm. and give them all that money Yeah, She even sent that picture to him and people like multiple people met him at different points. And he was like, yeah, I want you to do this. You can do this. Hey, try shooting at her in a crowd. Maybe that'll be that'll confuse people and they won't know who the real target is. You know, the only thing that probably would have made it would have made it more compelling for them was if they had a video of him or a voice recording. That's so Like, I can understand you think that this person is a really, really good person. Yeah. But when all of this evidence comes up against him, it's, like, so obvious that he did it. Yeah. And even, like, when he, A, he was cheating on your mom, so he's obviously not the person you thought he was. Yeah. And it's, I don't, (laughs) yeah. Well, but also, I mean, you can can still love and trust him and think he didn't do anything wrong, but you're going to walk out of the courtroom without saying goodbye to your mother when she has been shot in the head she's been sh- she's been shot in the head she lost her left eye i haven't even gotten it all of the all of the stuff like yeah okay so she did divorce him okay before we're, the trial yeah but if he had been acquitted she said that she would have been willing to rebuild their relationship and remarry him mm-hmm. yeah I think all of these people have Stockholm Syndrome. I don't get it. I mean... She says, it's because I loved him at the time. And you know, I have to say, I still love him. Not in a romantic love, but like the love that he's the father of my children. And there's always going to be love there. Yeah. It's it's like that, that first love love. Which is fine. Yeah. But... He literally conspired to get you killed. And you lost would, your eye. I would be so pissed off of at that. Like, and she would be no so excuse. forgiving. Like, all right. So Nancy now has a prosthesis painted to match her right eye. Mm-hmm. It still gets dry and sticks and that hurts. Yeah. So she, every morning she has to get up and wash her eye to ease the pain. And then the fa- the prosthesis falls out occasionally because her eyelid doesn't have the muscles to keep it in. Yeah. And she has nerve damage in her arm, which makes hugging people painful. Mm-hmm. And because the bullet went through her sinuses, she's lost her sense of smell and most of her sense of taste. Oh. She's in the hospital for more than two weeks, has had multiple reconstructive procedures, and she still feels insecure about her appearance. 
and her family was worried that she might lose her singing voice because she had the collapsed lung and was coughing up bits of tissue from her throat when the police arrived. But she has been able to return to sing in the church choir. Um, She could be such a... She could be really bitter. She could be. I would be. I'd be so mad. I'm mad on her behalf. (laughs) Like... Yes. But she's not. She says that she can separate Frank, who's the guy that she knew and she was in love with for years, and the guy, John, her alter ego, who only cared about himself and his mistress and money. And could it be possible that he developed some sort of alter ego? I mean, it's not, though, that he did. Yeah. He did all of that. Yeah. But she says... A lot of the time, it feels like a surreal dream that she might wake up from, and her faith is strong, and that it helps her to forgive and stay patient. She said that she's trying to find her way, because she was a homemaker for over 20 years. That's what she did. It's who she is. And now her kids are all over the country, and it's a struggle, and her relationships with the kids are strained. They've been in close contact with her father the whole time, (laughs) and they believe him when he says that he's innocent, she understands why they feel that way. Yeah. Because it's her dad. And she, you know, like she said, she raised them to love and honor and respect them. And they do. Just not her. Just not her, apparently. Like, that's so, she went through so much. Mm -hmm. That's so much to literally be coughing up your own, like, uh, tissue, your own body tissue from your lung inside of your body coming out. But your dad's the good guy. I don't get it. But anyway. Anyway. She said she vigorously celebrates every birthday she has since the shooting and still experiences a lot of fun singing in the church choir. Good. And she's trying to move on with her life. And that's my story. It makes me so mad. Uh, I had to stop halfway through and go talk to my mom. I was like... Mom, I love you so much. I was like, I'm so mad. Yeah. Like, I'm so mad at her children. I I could never imagine. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't imagine. So... But also, I, I couldn't imagine not talking to either of my parents. I mean, I feel like if one did that to the other, I'd be like, yeah, bye. <laughs> But I'm also the sort of person where I'm like, if I don't think you're a good person, I'm gone. Yeah. So, I don't know. I've always been able to be like that. I'm like, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And say so. I'm the person that, that wants to believe in the good in everyone. In some cases, I do. Like, if I see you constantly and if I have to be around you, I'll do it. Like, I'll be nice. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I'll try to, like, make excuses for you. But after a certain point, it's like... There's no excuse. There's no excuse. Yeah. So... Wow. That... Well, one, that was just a little bit of a roller coaster. I know. It won- on one point, you're like, holy shit, she's gonna die. And you're like, oh my god, she survived. That's so good. And then you're like, her husband is a piece of shit. And then you're like, damn, her kids are awful to her. At least she has herself. Yes. Yes. At and least she's able to move doing on wonderful. and find patience. And that's good for her. Yes. And I'm happy for her. She's a badass bitch. I don't know how. Yes, yeah, she like, is. I would have been like, oh, I'm bleeding out. All right, bye. No. Bye. Yeah. All okay. right. Well, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> on to you. On to me. Okay. So, my story this week is about Old Alton Bridge, 
more commonly known as Goatman's Bridge. My sources, Ghost Adventure, Adventure, (laughs) (laughs) Ghost Adventures, BuzzFeed Unsolved, Wikipedia, We Didn't Do It, dot com, Atlas Obscurica.com and Texas Hull County.com. We didn't do it. That's amazing. We didn't do it. Oh, yeah. One of the titles of the article, uh, one of the articles was called How Not to Get Away with Murder. It was really good. All right. Old Alton Bridge is located in Denton, Texas. It is a historic iron truss bridge that connects the cities of Denton and Copper Canyon. Hmm. Uh, iron truss is like the triangle. Uh, okay, like okay, the ones okay. that's triangle upside down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the um, I don't know which one it is. Never mind. <laughs> it was built in 1884 by the King Iron Bridge Manufacturing Company and was originally built for crossing horses over the Hickory Creek. The bridge was originally named after the community of Alton, which was the seat of Denton between 1850 and 1856. Fun fact. Alton originally only had one person living there. <laughs> what? Alton is obviously now abandoned. Oh. The bridge was constantly in use until about 2001 when all vehicle traffic was moved to an adjacent and... <laughs> I really thought you were going to say, it's a really booming place now, you know? It's <laughs> like really busy. No, it's nope. gone. Nope, it's gone. <laughs> All vehicle traffic was moved to an adjacent and steel bridge. So, you know, a little bit more able to hold such a heavy load. Yes. Before the building of the new bridge, in order for drivers to pass safely over the bridge, they needed to honk their horns in order to signal to anyone who might be on the other side of the one-lane bridge. It's a one-lane bridge. It's a one-lane bridge. Uh... Yeah. It's a one-lane bridge, and it How ends on a curve. How long is this bridge? It, oh, it ends on a curve. Yeah. That explains the honking. Okay, yeah, I was like, like they comes can't out see to if somebody's coming. Okay. With the traffic moved from the bridge, it became very popular among hikers, nature enthusiasts, and photographers. And then, goat man. And what? <laughs> and the, did you say and the goat man? Yeah. <laughs> The nickname for this bridge was started because of an old legend. In 1938, an African-American man named Oscar Washburn and his family ran a goat farm near the bridge. He was very successful with his herd and was known locally for the quality meat, milk, cheeses, and hides that were produced. Hmm. However, when he proudly hung a sign on the old Alton Bridge directing, This way to the goat man... It really, really (laughs) pissed off a lot of local KKK members. Oh. Yeah. And one dark night, a mob of the clan members attacked Washburn's home and dragged the famed goat man to their noose that was waiting on the bridge. They then put the noose around his neck, tightened it, and threw him over the side. When they walked down to the river's edge to confirm that he he was dead yeah they were shocked to find that the noose was just hanging there oh empty (gasps) he wasn't there panicking they searched the area but were still unable to find him in a desperate attempt to draw out their escaped victim victim (laughs) their escaped victim 
They set fire to his family's house. Damn. With them screaming and burning alive inside. What the fuck? However, Mr. Washburn was never seen again. That's so weird. You know that they would have heard him if he, like, oh, yeah. fell. Oh, yeah. And supposedly a vengeful spirit now haunts the old Alton Bridge. Mm. A similar legend takes place before the bridge was even built in 1860. Honestly, I'd haunt that shit, too. Except I'd haunt them. Well, yeah. But, yeah. I get you. Apparently, some Copper Canyon cowboys lynched a Crayol... What's that? (laughs) I snorted. (laughs) Copper Canyon cowboys. Uh, lynched a Creole slave goat herder by the name of Jack Kindle, who had run away. They had thrown him over the creekside near where the bridge is now standing. Horribly, his head was separated from his body in the process. They then watched in horror as the now headless body rose from the creek bed and ripped the head off of a nearby goat in order Uh, to replace his uh, own. uh, uh, uh. According to legend, if you knock on the bridge three times at midnight, or you turn your car lights off and honk your horn three times, then you might be visited by the goat man. Hard note. There will be the dreadful stench of rotting flesh, (gasps) glowing red eyes peering at you from the darkness, sightings of a goat-headed man running through the super dark and creepy forest. Like at you? Yes. No! Or a satyr. 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 Or a satyr. It's like hosier, but it's a Yeah. Satyr. What if hosier is a satyr? Sorry. No. No, sorry. <laughs> hosier the satyr. Uh, or a satyr carrying the heads of goats and humans oh. in its hand. Oh, God. Some say that if you cross the bridge without the headlights of your car on, goat man will meet you on the other side. Mm. There have also been reports of abandoned cars... Cars breaking down or doors locking and unlocking on their own. Good thing my headlights are always on. I know, mine too. And some people even report hearing goat hooves on and around the bridge. Apparently, there have also been satanic rituals on the bridge. Mm. Evidence has actually been found of this because remains of animals have been found where they haven't died of natural causes. Oh. During these rituals, it is said that a goat man or satyr has been summoned... This is said to have opened a portal to another dimension. Ew. There have been reports of inhuman screaming and maniacal laughter coming from the woods, as well as as gruff voices telling people to get off the bridge. Apparently, multiple investigators have picked up on the name Steve. Steve? Steve. Steve. This is very common with demonic entities, Choosing non-threatening names and forms in order to gain a person's trust. Oh, I thought you were going to say, a lot of demons are named Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, a lot of demons are named Steve. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever met a Steve that wasn't a demon? (laughs) My uncle's name is Steve. Is Steve a demon? No. Okay, people have reported being dragged, thrown, scratched, and feeling an overwhelming feeling of aggression towards the others that are with them. Mm. So, in the episode of BuzzFeed Unsolved, Shane and Ryan dub this creature a demon. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
Well, I mean, satanic worshipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Assume. Plus you know. that smell of rotten flesh is pretty that, common. Yes. So. And, you know, it looks kind of very demonic. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but I'm kind of partial on that because I have goats. So I just, I'm thinking. It was a nice demon. Yeah. I'm thinking, oh, it's a cute little goat. Let me just rub between its horns. It'll- you literally have a goat named Lucifer. I know. <laughs> And he is so sweet. Okay, sorry. My favorite part about the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode is the fact that Ryan brought with him a little squirt gun full of holy water. No! (laughs) Yes! Like, just imagine this big terrifying creature coming at you and you're taking this little squirt gun out going, pew, pew, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, pew, pew, I send you to hell! Pew, pew. <laughs> and then the, the, the creature just stops, looks at you in this little water gun that's squirting out like two inches of water, and just bust out laughing. That's all I'm seeing in my head. Pew, pew. Ha, 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 ha. You can never defeat me. <laughs> Try uh, No, okay. Okay. During their actual investigation of the forest, they do see something moving, but this can also be kind of attributed to animals of course because you know Mm -hmm. the woods and they really don't see what was moving wait there are animals in the woods (gasps) how dare there oh no yes they also hear a scream oh like a no not a goat scream "Ah!" like an actual scream like a don't like that yes During the Ghost Adventures episode, (laughs) Zach interviews a paranormal investigator who had done an investigation in in the forest by the bridge. And apparently while they were doing an EVP session on the center of the bridge, she had kept seeing movement from the corner of her eye. Mm -hmm. And when she finally looked at it, she noticed that it had the head of a goat. (gasps) No. So obviously she, you know, goes and freaks out. Another group was walking through the forest for for their investigation when one of the members stayed back because she wasn't feeling comfortable. Yeah. Then she just kind of had this overwhelming feeling that she wasn't alone anymore. Mm-mm. And it's a dark forest, so she had to kind of use her camera flashlight for light. No, thanks. So she was taking pictures, and one of the pictures, it was pointing at the ground. She just had this very dark shadow on the ground. Like, the kind of shadow, if, okay, like, four in the afternoon, someone's walking behind you, the sun is also behind you, so you yeah. can see their, you can see their shadow Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the kind of shadow that you see. So she was shining a light on the ground and there was a shadow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know why I imagine, like, a big swirly, like, like a vortex. Shadow. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, she got three scratch marks on her arm. Ew. This is seen as a little compelling for the theory that a demon was unleashed into the woods. Because when someone gets scratched in three, it's supposed to be a mocking of the Holy Trinity by demons. Oh. The scratches are actually a reoccurring thing here. One investigator who got scratched also felt very violent in that moment. Oh. She wanted to lash out, punch people, and even admitted that she wanted to kill them. Well, like, shit, yeah, if I get hurt, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, it's not deep scratches. Yeah, it's I just, know. It, yeah. Okay, we're just, we're gonna back up a little bit into the history. In uh, 1977, apparently a little girl had disappeared into the woods by the bridge. Mm. 
and when the search party went into the woods, they stumbled upon the body of a dead 25-year-old Dallas woman on the banks of the creek. In her possession, they found a teddy bear. It is believed that this teddy bear was the little girl's. So they believe that this was evidence of a human sacrifice uh-huh. by Satanists. People who refuse to get off the bridge when the goat man demands it can be found lifted into the air and shoved into the side of the bridge into the side of the bridge. Ew. Ashley, the still photographer for Ghost Adventures, experienced uh, just a whole lot of anxiety during one of their interviews. Like they were interviewing one of the women and she just started freaking out. She, like everyone else who experienced this entity, felt a lot of anger and rage. She breaks down because she no longer had control of her emotions. She was then sent back to the hotel in order to recover, and the following day, upon the advice from the other women who had been attacked, she decided that she wanted to face the entity who had attacked her. Ooh. That night, she did a solo investigation, and she's literally screaming at this entity. She is yelling at it to show itself in this, this thing. It didn't show itself. Instead, it smacked her in the head. <laughs> And she fell to the ground. Oh. Like, they caught her on camera falling down. Like, she caught herself on her knees. But, I mean, it's noticeable that she got Literally got, like, thwap. And later, when they look her over and make sure that she's okay, she has a noticeable mark just right here on her head where she was hit. Before she even comes back to base camp... While she's still investigating, something growls at her. Oh. And she begins seeing seeing weird lights in the forest. Obviously, again, she's in the forest, so the Did they record the weird lights? Not with her. Okay. Wait. No, yeah, they did. Oh. They got okay. a video of the lights, yeah. And I mean I mean they were they were lights. Yeah. Bugs in a flashlight. Bugs in a flashlight. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> no. There has There does have to be some validity to what she felt because she did have to end up leaving the show because whatever attached to her during the filming of that episode, it's it's still there. Like it it didn't leave her alone after they left? Yeah. It is still affecting her. What the fuck? Which, again, brings back the demon theory. I feel like that shouldn't be a thing. Demons. The team does also capture two eyes seemingly free-floating in the middle of a path that they were about to walk down. Kind of creepy. Kind of. But, I mean, okay, it was a significant height off the ground. I would say probably as tall as my desk here. Oh. But, honestly, the video was too dark to even tell if it was an animal or not. Oh. They also happened to catch a shadow just kind of launching itself at Zach. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they pan the camera and you see this light in the tree behind him. <laughs> and then a shadow just goes... Whoop. I'm sorry, I'm just kind of quickly recapping the I know, show. I realized that. At one point, Aaron also sh- sees a shadow just come at him. And he temporarily loses his hearing. Um... Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's like, it started out as a ringing, and now I really can't hear anything. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. They then decide that they're going to do a demon banishing ritual. (sighs) 
And they said, obviously, don't do this at home, kids. Uh, don't do it at home. Don't do it there either. Yeah. Just leave. Well, they felt that there was so much going on that there was e- there that was evil that they just, they had to do something about it. I well, guess. it didn't help their friend. Now did it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Back to Steve. They did a spirit box session. Uh, of course. And also got the name Steve. Steve! When asked if he liked the ritual that had just taken place, the mm-hmm. whatever I just said, the demon banishing ritual, the spirit box answered, he might. I might. Yeah, he might. At this point, they they were all afraid to continue the ritual. Like, um, Jay was still in the circle. Mm-hmm. He wasn't doing the ritual, but he was there because he wasn't supposed to leave. And... Zach and Billy decided, nope, we're done. We're leaving. And as they were walking away, the fire, like, went out. Oh. And then when Aaron called called out at them and they turned back around, the fire went up again. I don't like that. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. Aaron then convinced Jay to leave the virtual circle in order to follow Zach and Billy. However, this kind of backfired on the, on him. As they were walking, something rushed up on him again and threw him 20 feet from where he was standing. 20 feet. No fucking yes. way. They found his IR where he had, like, thrown it out to the side. Uh, 20 feet from where he landed in all of his recording equipment that was attached to him. What the fuck? Mm-hmm. And then as he was getting ready to cross the bridge, he just shut down scream and fell to the ground because of what had just happened cool 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 because oh wait no and then he saw a tall dark figure at the end of the bridge no thank you yeah kind of creepy then zach sees the same figure and feels like it's choking him however in the video you can see zach uh kind of grabbing at his own throat like really hard like you could see him digging into his skin and I mean, this, if, if you want to think demons, this could be an instance where the creature was taking control of him. Yeah. And forcing him to hurt himself. And, like, he was panicking. You could see it on his face. You could hear it in his voice. He was really panicking. Zach was. And they had to actually fight him to get him to let go of his throat. Poor Jay got the brunt end of the violence because Zach, he, I don't know, he lashed out when Jay was trying to remove his hands from his, from his own throat. Yeah. And he was just trying to keep him from hurting himself. Yeah. So that is Goatman's Bridge, but this is not the only case of a Goatman. Mm-hmm. There is the Goatman of Maryland, who is an axe-welding, half-goat, half-man creature who was once a scientist working at the Beltsville Agricultural Research Center. So you're telling me he became a genetically modified goat man, right? He was apparently holding experiments on goats when one backfired and he became a goat-like animal himself. Sweet. <laughs> he goat now attacks- man, goat man, does whatever a goat, goat. man does. Oh, I was going to say, goat man, goat man, does whatever a goat can, which is not a lot. Goat (laughs) can? Does whatever a goat can, which is... uh, He now attacks cars with an axe and roams the back roads of Beltsville, Maryland. I've never seen a goat do that, but uh, you do you, goat man of Maryland. Mm -hmm. Also in Texas, because, you know, we're in... 
Texas with our story. You're right. Is the Lake Worth monster. Oh. However, honestly, I, I didn't really delve too far into this one because it's also said that it's the monster at Goatman's Bridge. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, okay, I'll list it because it has a different name. But mm. So it's basically just the same thing, different it's, name. It's the same thing, different name. Okay. Literally, it is said... The article said, oh, and it goes into Goatsman Bridge. Oh. Sure, thanks. Okay. They're just two, you know, demonic entities hanging out. Yeah, just chilling together, you know. Chilling like villains. Hey. (laughs) Okay, and the one that we know of and have heard all of these stories about is the Popelec Monster. Yes. In Fisherville, Kentucky. Mm -hmm. He is part man, part goat, and what I didn't know part sheep. (laughs) (laughs) He lives beneath the railroad trestle bridge. Mm -hmm. As legend goes, the creature is said to use hypnosis and voice mimicry in order to lure trespassers on top of the trestle to meet their deaths. Yeah. He's also said to jump down from the trestle and onto the roof of cars. Another legend says that the creature attacks with a bloodstained axe. And apparently, the very sight of the creature drives people to jump off the trestle. Yeah, you remember me telling you um, that a lot of people think it's not just the trestle, that it goes a little bit further down. Because mm-hmm. um, that one gas station... That's uh, right there, yeah. That's right there, that they won't build a stoplight there because the workers are afraid to do anything there because they're afraid that the public monster is going to get them. Even though they definitely need a stoplight there. They definitely do. There have been so many wrecks. Yeah. One version of the story suggests that the creature is a human-goat hybrid Hmm. that was part of a freak show circus who vowed to take his revenge after being mistreated. I didn't know we had those here. I didn't either. It's said that the creature escaped when the train derailed on the trestle. Oh, okay. Another version is that the creature is a reincarnated form of a farmer who had sacrificed goats in exchange for satanic powers. Oh. Oh, Yeah, that sounds more accurate down there. Yeah. 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 All of these legends have turned this spot into a very popular place for legend tripping. However, guys... Please don't go there. Yeah. Or if you do, don't go on top of the trestle. There, I mean, there's this misconception that the trestle is no longer in use. However, it is used every day. Trains go over it at least once a day. There's this giant fence there and it says no trespassing. It is there for a reason. There have been so many deaths there deaths there because of it i'm saying from experience safety first do not go on the trestle it is not worth your life to chase a legend and i'm sorry for my little mom moment yeah but i have to say it because i don't want anyone losing their lives and that was goatman's bridge and goatman monsters of yes yes the u.s and i don't know why i keep coming back to these half goat creatures <laughs> Uh, probably because you have a lot of goats. Because I have six goats. I love my goats. They're my babies. They're so sweet. Yes. And Um, like I've always said, if I was ever encountered by a goat man, I would probably not run away from it. Oh my god. (laughs) Because I'd be like, aw, come here. Can I I scratch your head? 
Can I scratch your horns? Yeah. Can, can I, I scratch your scritch, horns, please? Scritch, scritch, scritch. Oh my god. My my favorite joke that Shane made on uh, BuzzFeed Unsolved, their mm. episode. It's a bunch of horny. Come here, my horny dude, or something. Oh wow. <laughs> and and wow. Ryan was like, "No, why would you say that?" And he said, "Cause he has horns." <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. That's I loved rough. it though. Uh, completely unrelated yes i wanted to ask did you watch crisis on infinite earths no okay what have i had time to watch i know i just wanted to ask because there was something i wanted to talk about but i'll wait till you've seen it is it a movie it no it's um it goes from the flash no oh dc yeah dc sorry that's i don't know why i didn't think that no, I watched this spot with Lucifer coming in. Oh, oh that's it. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I watched that too. That's when you were talking about Lucifer. I was gonna bring it up. I was like, he's in it. Yeah, yeah. I was like Constantine, and then Lucifer. I was like, hey. Yeah, I was, I was like, Rachel's gonna flip. I was, I was sitting there and I was editing, and I, I glanced up for something, and all of a sudden I see the door open, and oh, lo and behold, there's Lucifer's pretty face. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> She's gonna shit her pants. I did. I, f- I did. I was like, oh my god, look, Lucifer. And dad was like, yeah, he's part of the DC universe. Did you not know that? I was like, no. <laughs> uh, um, this is actually our last episode for the year. Oh my god. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. Hold it on. is. No. Because it's coming out on the 30th. Oh god, you're right. Oh, this is our last episode of the year, guys. <laughs> uh, so we were going to do a New Year's episode, but we've got so much going on, and that would be too many episodes to record. Um, yeah. But Happy New Year. Happy New Year, guys. <laughs> uh, we'll see you next year. See, see you That's next so year, weird. which is just two days a couple away. of days away. Yeah. <laughs> Literally oh, wow. two. I mean... <laughs> And see, I'm sitting here thinking, oh, yeah, this is going to come out on this day. This is going to come out. Nope. Nope. I'm dumb. No, yeah, that's what I looked at earlier was like, wait, this is the last episode for the year. All right. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Myths and Misfortunes or Twitter at Myths Misfortune. Or you can search for us using the full name Myths and Misfortunes. We'll be there. You can also send us an email to MythsAndMisfortunes at gmail.com. Our music was composed by McKean Fulbright, and our art was created by Heather Marie Atkins. Their websites can be found in the description below. We'd appreciate any reviewing, um, rating, rating, subscribing, listening. listening. So, all right. Thanks again. And... Goodbye. Goodbye.